will say hi and welcome to the inaugural podcast of the C2R program. Uh, we were going to do this last week, but unfortunately we had some issues and weren't able to get it up. We're going to get this up eventually. So today we're here with Dan Hosh, who is the director of Call to Recovery, and we're going to be talking with him about the program and a little about his history. Dan, thank you for coming in. Hi, Travis. Thanks for having me. This ought to be fun. Way to tell, let people know there's hope and there's a way out. So I look forward to it. And now you've been with Rock Hill. Uh, you started the C2R program uh, about how many years ago? It was June 9, 2008 at Leagueville Baptist Church in Leagueville. And just wanted to offer people an option because a lot of groups, uh, they say higher power. And uh, it takes more than a higher power to kick addiction and break the chains. It takes the relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's uh, wanted to offer an option to the people that are want something more than a higher power. Higher power is like a ceiling. I mean, I need more than just a higher power. So, And you started in 2008 with mm -hmm. one group, and this is all on a volunteer basis. Correct. And at the time, you were employed with the Andrews Center at the time? Uh-huh. And then eventually, the program grew to a point to where you could actually leave your job at Andrews Center and do call to recovery full-time. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, well, and also there was a prayer that I wanted God back on the throne of the ministry of recovery. That was, uh, I wanted... That was also my motive. And now, how many meetings are you averaging right now per week? Well, I'll probably fall short, but it's about 25 uh, with our men's sober living and with uh, drug treatment at Cinecore. I'm going to go with about 25. So in 10 years, this is October of 2018. Mm -hmm. So just over 10 years, you went from one meeting a week to 25 meetings per week well that also includes breakout which is a youth group right ages 12 to 21 because there are youth that are cutting and k2 and they just don't feel right with a bunch of adults and it also includes call to relationship recovery which is like al-anon with codependence anonymous precepts in it and uh then we have a coffee house ministry and we have a men's sober living facility where we have a couple groups so and then we have drug treatment so with all that included, about 25 groups a week. Okay, so yeah, so basically we're looking at, you have the regular C2R meetings, mm -hmm. and you have your call to relationship recovery, you have your breakout programs, you have the men's sober living facility, the iron house, mm -hmm. and the coffee house as well. So you have several different programs that all wrapped up into C2R and that you're actually the director of. Now, with all those programs, you've... you've reached out so far and even then when we purchased the the living the men's sober living facility mm -hmm. we purchased it from a a person that was running a halfway house so right. much and then we just have elevated it to a different level right. uh, a lot of repairs were done to the house okay. i know that and things like that but uh you started out with how many people in our house it was five that first couple of five months. yeah and they were used to uh being coddled and then now you're something like anywhere averaging between 10 and 18 people on a regular basis right so that, that's pretty awesome if yeah. you ask me. Um, now, as far as your history goes, you yeah. have, you're a licensed chemical dependency counselor. Correct. Uh -huh. And how long have you been that? Since 94. Since 94. Mm -hmm. And you've been at the Andrews Center, and you've done that Andrews Center here at Rock Hill. Where, where else have you done that at? Uh, East Texas Medical Center has a behavioral health center. It's a psych hospital. I worked there 16 years on there. And then at Sundown Ranch. Okay. For a little while. So you've been doing this for a while. Uh-huh. Um, now, every person, I'm not sure if every person knows that's watching this or listening to this, 
actually knows that you yourself have come from the darkness. You have a history of addiction. 16 years from age 12 to 28. First it was experimenting, then it became a habit, and then I crossed the line somewhere and it was necessary for survival. But I still had a job, a wife, kids, company, car. So I wasn't an addict. I was just partying too much. Right. So there's no way I'm not under a street or in a bridge and under a, you know, under a bridge somewhere and uh, pushing a cart full of aluminum cans. I've got a job and. But that's the stigma of all addicts. Right. I mean, everyone thinks that an addict is a homeless person living right. on the street. Right. And they don't realize that addicts are people that are in our midst. They're with us everywhere we go. Right. It's a person you're standing next to in an elevator. It's a person that you, you run across that's checking out your groceries. They right. could be anywhere. Well, it's that uh, from gambling to porn to, uh, you know, cutting like some kids they, or people they cut to meth to alcohol to, yeah, if it's, if it's taking over your life, and like it was mine, it consumed my thoughts, my behaviors, where I went, who I went with. Uh, yeah, it was, it's an addiction. And most people don't realize that Anything could be an addiction. Right. The, the, the level of the addiction depends on the level that you're actually giving up part mm -hmm. of your life for. Right. Um, I know that I used to be, I used to play video games a lot. And mm -hmm. I used to play it so much that it ruled my life. Yeah. And I look back now and realize that there's a good chance that I was addicted. Right. And I didn't even know it because I would literally do anything I could to get in front of that video game. And when you're away from it, you were probably irritable, restless, uh, discontented. Uh, easily provoked. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And your thoughts were, your thoughts were. Most people don't even look at things like that as addiction. Yeah. I mean, it could be, and it could be sexual addiction. It yeah. could be a alcohol problem. It could be any little thing that nobody's even thinking about. Shopping. Yeah. I know shopping, everyone jokes about that, but that's a huge. Chocolate. People joke about it, but. Well, and the other thing is, uh, you mentioned shopping. It's, it goes, in, if it's taken over your life. It's an addiction. And we're hiding. A doctor's. Prescribe. I'm not blaming doctors. Pain meds or, or benzodiazepines. Well, that's innocent. But when I start taking them, when they're as as needed, but not as prescribed, you know, I can get in trouble. Exactly. And that's the reason why hydrocodone has gotten so bad. It oh, yeah. takes three prescriptions now, three scripts to actually no. get one. And they cop it because I mean, realize that they they are addictive. Yeah, they had to do something to slow slow it down. It's just. It's hurting people, families, kids. Yeah. But then that's when people turn to the legal substitute. substances. Yeah. yeah, they substitute because they want that feeling. And they found out maybe it's not going to be with a pill. Maybe it's going to be with vodka or something hard. And uh, it's just, it started off innocently, innocently enough for some. But it took them down a dark road. Yeah. Right. So give us a little bit of your backstory as far as your your the time that you gave yourself to this ministry. Mm -hmm. um, we did an interview with you a few weeks ago, a video interview, and you're talking about you're on the 12th floor of a county jail. Oh, yeah. Talk to me about that. 12th floor of a county jail, looking out at the, uh, the world going by in El Paso, Texas. And at that time, or this time, nobody was taking my collect calls. So I was having to stew in there because I wanted out. Well, I realized nobody was taking my click calls and or helping me bond out because the Lord wouldn't let them. Well, finally, he got my attention by asking me, you know, I heard him, do I have your attention now? You don't have a wife or kids or a home or a car or a job. Uh, you're, you might do prison time. And uh, do I have your attention? And the thought kind of took my breath away. 
Because before I was always, this is an inconvenience. This is, you know, nothing. Well, this time it kind of scared me a little bit. And then he like spoke to me and said, look at that young, well, young punk running around, 18, 19. You can't reach him. Like, you know, just, and look at that gentleman over there, about 6'3", 72 years old and 140 pounds. And he had just, he's detoxing and, and he had a little, like he urinated in his pants in there. He said, that's going to be you. That was you. That's going to be you. Well, I didn't want to be that person. So that's when I hit my knees and said, Lord Jesus, if you're there, God, well, he said, God, if you're there, if you exist, forgive me. I'm sorry. I need help. And I got a hug and I thought, oh, no, I should never kneel in a day room, overcrowded day room at that. And I got up in a nanosecond and there was no one around. I asked if you're there and uh, he let me know he was there. Wow. And that was September of 1989. And, you know, some experience, I think I had an encounter and I cannot not serve him. I cannot not tell people that he loves you and there's forgiveness and there's, you know, a way out of lying and cheating and stealing. And, you know, you think you're fooling people and that's just it. You're not fooling no one. That's the biggest thing is that you think you're getting away with yeah. it. And I think most addicts, that's where, you know, I could almost say that I'm not at that point anymore. Because I would say people would ask me questions like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to go home and play some video games. And like, well, that's what you did last night. Why don't you come hang out with us? I'm like, no, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm yeah. going to go. And I mean, it, I know that it's not as serious as other ones, but it's still an addiction. Oh, yeah. Any way you look at it. Anything that takes your, your focus away from your family, your job, your life, then it's yeah, an addiction. Living. From freedom to slavery, almost. I don't. Well, that's pretty harsh words, but that's what I was. I was being controlled by a substance and miserable without it. And uh, you know, you do whatever you have to do to get it. What are you planning on in the next year? Where do you Where do you want to be in the next year? I know uh, we have some issues with the Iron House that we need to get worked out and things like that. Yeah. And it will but. be. God raised this ministry up, so it's going to be all right. Just like a church. When God's in it, it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Good. Now, the Iron House, I, we had talked about this before, but the Iron House itself has become a brand. Mm -hmm. The C2R has become a brand. And uh, this is part of the purpose that we're actually doing this here, is they're willing to to reach out to people that we haven't right. reached out to before. Right. And we're hoping that people may be out there listening to this podcast or watching this on YouTube or wherever they see it, that they can reach out to you for, for help or to the program. Come take a, come to a meeting, sit in a meeting, get the help that you need because there's no point in that suffering no. because of it. It is not about – the most important thing is to be saved, sure, but – if you're, you can't be saved if you don't know that right. you need to be saved. And oftentimes the addiction is blinding you to that fact. Yeah. Well, that's just it. With our group, we're not a war story group. We're a big book study group. Big book meaning the AA book. That's the founder that started it all. And step one says we admitted we're powerless over and it's blank on purpose. Gambling, porn, meth, alcohol, don't matter. We're powerless over and then our lives are managed. We use the same 12 steps in the AA book. But we also use the Life Recovery Bible just to highlight where they got this particular uh, passages that are in the uh, big book. They got it from the Bible. So I just like to share it. Not, you know, a little salt, not cram it down the throat, but just share it with them so they can see uh, God has a plan B. 
And I just want to share that with them. Some of the best for them. Actually, who benefits, not only they benefit, but keep going. The family, the community, the, wherever they're at, we all benefit. And we become a healthier place to live. And, and that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Tell me, if you hadn't had that experience that you did that day in that jail, how do you think your life would have turned out? I was already depressed and bitter, but you didn't see that. What you saw was a, a false, a bravado. I got this, everything's cool. But inside, I was just, nothing worked. I tried everything. You know, I tried the party and the, the lifestyle, the materialism. The, you know, I, I tried it all, and it left me empty. It worked for a while, but then, boom, emptiness. There was a void. And so now you got to mix it. Make cocktails, if you will, a little bit of this, a little bit of that, to get that strength up there. And then you get tolerance to that. Now, now what? And I was just empty. So where would I be right now? It'd be, oh, there's no telling. Uh, I was already facing a prison sentence. I did get extradited to another state. I did get divorced. I did lose my kids. I was homeless. Had to go through a halfway house myself. Had no car, no job. I owed people on the other side of the border money. I uh, sold up in El Paso, so, you know, I had, I went a little too too wild there. And so that was uh, in 89, so, and I've already been in the military and got, a, other than honorable discharge for being a deserter and a AWOL and smuggling onto a federal reservation when I was 19. So, you know, I just, uh, I don't even think about where I'd be. It's that, that It was, was dark before, I so to get darker than that, I don't think I have the wherewithal to keep going. So you were discharged from the military for that. That's that's when all this started to take place. Well, I tried meth in, in 1979, and you know, I was in the Seabees. Construction battalion, I was a steel worker. I worked at Brown and Root a little bit as a welder's helper. That's why they accepted me. I got into the steel worker, and they shipped me to uh, from my San Diego to Corpus area. I tried meth for the first time in 1979. I went AWOL without leave, and after almost six months, I was, you know, a deserter. And when I turned myself in, I had an ounce and a half pot in my underwear because, you know, 19. Nothing's going to happen to me. Well, now I'm waiting for my court-martial. I did get court-martialed. Well, it's, you know, it, but it didn't slow me down. Right. Uh, what slowed me down was when I lost my kids. When my five- and six-year-old were taken by the SWAT team September 7th of 1989, that was a game changer. That and the Lord's and, and the 12th floor of a county jail and literally feeling a hug to the point where I got, what's next, a shank? Or, you know what I mean? I jumped up so fast, and but everybody was doing exactly what they were doing a minute before I kneeled. So there was no one around. And now, some 30 years later, Mm-hmm. You're the director of Call to Recovery, yeah, doing something that you never thought you would be doing. That's right. I was way too selfish. You started on a volunteer basis, now you're paid to do it. I mean, it's still, I mean, that's not the reward. The reward is I'm get any person that, you, that comes to you that needs help, and you yeah. get them the help they need. Well, I've been there, done that, know the way out. The way, not a way, the way, the main way. Because, you know, I can't, I'm... My date of sobriety is September 8th of 1989 till right now. Continuous is not possible. There's no way. So you just celebrated your 30th. Uh-huh, on September 8th. So uh, I could stop, Travis, but I couldn't stay stopped. Right. Like Paul says in Romans, you know, 
I don't want to do this, but I do it anyway. I don't want to do wrong. I want to do good. I want to raise my kids and pay my bills. But it says I inevitably do what I hate. And that was me. I didn't have the power to stay stopped until I accepted the Lord. And he put a spirit within me and helped me to live above that junk, that pollution. So that's awesome. I just want to share that with, with folks that there's a way to live in freedom, pure freedom. And uh, and have fun. That's the other thing. I didn't think, how can you not have, how, how am I going to have fun at the Ranger game floating the Guadalupe? How am I going to have fun at Collins? How am I going to have fun just sitting at home watching a TV show? How do you go to eat a dinner without a beer or a margarita? How do you do this? Well, you just do it. <laughs> and uh, before long, the old habit dies and you pick up a new one. And uh, then you you just detest the thought of who you were and what you did to people, and there's no way. So I make daily amends by my lifestyle and choices, you know. And it is a day-to-day struggle. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that addiction, even though, I mean, congratulations, you're 30 years. Well, thank you, yes. But I still know that every day you should probably struggle with oh, it. Well, every day I wake up, step one says I admit I'm powerless. I, I, there's no way. It's two is I came to believe in a power greater myself. Three is made a decision to turn my will and life over to the care of God as I understand them. And today, I, my understanding is mercy and grace and forgiveness and peace and compassion and, you know, strength and power and ultimate authority, you know, today. Today. And then, so every day I just know, like, I'm, I'm allergic to poison ivy. So I'm not going to go walk near it. I know what it looks like. I know what it does to me. And then I know I'm going to end up at the doctor getting a shot and putting, you know, so I've learned what it looks and to stay away. And, and I, I notice if I don't get near it, I don't break out. I don't get, so that's how I, I deal with any chemicals or anything that might alter my mood, mind, is I know, hey, I, I'm allergic to this stuff. Because once I put a lid on my system, it's on. I cannot get enough. Right. Yeah, so that's the same way I handle poison. I just don't go near it. If it is around, I just get, respect it. And go about my business. Well, it's like fire. Mm-hmm. Is that the second you oh, don't yeah. respect fire, you get oh, burnt. That's good. The same way with any addiction yeah, you have. Like you electricity, respect I respect it. Yeah. Uh, you if you know, don't like, respect that addiction, then it, it'll burn that's you. That's where I'm at. I just respect it. I don't fear if there's a bottle sitting there, vodka or something, Jack Daniels. I don't fear it. I just respect it. And I go about my business. It's a good outlook. Yeah. Probably the best outlook I've heard. Well, it taught me to respect it. All right, Dan. Well, I think that's actually uh, a lot of a lot of good information. A lot of a nice introduction to who you are and what the program mm-hmm. is. And now, over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to look at is I kind of want to move into the. I think, I think we should go week by week, and I think we're going to look at each step okay. of the twelve step program, just giving an idea of what that per- mm-hmm. particular step involves, and how it breaks down to you and how it should be applied to sure. your everyday life. And because I've even looked at the 12-step program, and you can apply it to your everyday life, yeah. even if you're not an right. addict. Well, the right. thing about it is most people don't even realize they're addicts. Because I'm probably an addict, and I don't even realize it myself. Because, I mean, I'm always on my phone. I'm always on my iPad, and I could be addicted to that and not even mm-hmm. realize it. So, I mean, it can apply to everyone's life out there. And that's our goal, is we want to help everyone out there get to a point to where if they have an addiction, they can recognize that addiction, then they can come to you, they can go wherever they need to get the right. help that they need. So that's where I'm going to go for the next few weeks. I want to see if we can hit each step 
And uh, hey, that's at least twelve podcasts we know for sure. So well, that's true. <laughs> and then we got the family issues, and yep. And uh, what what does a loved one do that is paying all the bills, keeping the family together, yet the other partner or loved one is out, you know, doing whatever, and they hate. They're waiting on that phone call. They know it's coming. Right. So and so is in prison. They're in jail. They just had a wreck, or they're dead. How do you deal with all this? Right. And and keep your sanity. So family is a big part of this. Okay. And I also, at some point in time, if there is a success story that you'd like to bring on, well, just to, to, to have Plenty a little conversation with. So I really want to see that it's important that people hear the success stories that are oh, yeah. from this program. Right. And I think we could intermix those into each step. Especially like if you have one that's the more recent ones are okay, but mm -hmm. it's really the, the the ones that have been oh, yeah. the real success stories. The ones that have been clean and sober for a long time because of the program. Yeah. And i really love to see all gamuts of, right. of that to come right. on. And just well, there's many who went back to school. They became licensed themselves or they went into nursing. or And see, those are, that's the ones I want to hear yeah, about. Yeah, because it's not easy. They dropped out of school for a reason, you know, authority issues or whatever the other reasons, and they went back. That's pretty crazy. Right, right. All right, Dan. Well, thank you so much for, for You're welcome, buddy. being this here today. And thank you. We're gonna we're gonna sign off today, and then we'll get back to it as soon as we can next week. Thank you, Dan. All right. Thank you. We recover by the steps we take, not the meetings we make. Very good. <laughs>